welcome to what the hell uh today i'm going to talk with uh is it johnny skelton johnny 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 skelton and he's going to talk about his time in the army and uh the pipeline through infantry because i was always wondering because i've i've gotten uh what the pipeline through all the uh tier one stuff and everything like that what what you have to go through and everything but no one really talks about infantry because infantry, even, uh, well, except for like the Marine Corps, where everybody's an uh, infantryman, but, yeah. <laughs> well, they got a longer uh, uh, boot camp. Well, you got more habits to break in the Marine Corps, I guess. Yeah. And you got a, I mean, Jack Manville was talking about the one time that he was shot while cleaning a gun. It was the other guy's fault. <laughs> Oops. I'll, I'll 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 link you the uh, thing of him doing that because it was so hilarious because Jack Manville's freaking hilarious, but uh, go ahead. Uh, I understand the boot camp and everything like that. It's not as severe as the Air Force because Air Force uh, when I went through it was only like six weeks. We all we did was like march. Yeah, but well, um, well, well, when I signed up, uh, I reported twenty uh, fifth of July back in ninety five. So, you know, we, uh, we flew out of the Oklahoma City map station. And, you know, you get, you get one of your uh, first introductions to the efficiency of the government. Uh, we flew from Oklahoma City to Chicago O'Hare, then back to Atlanta. Actually, you know what's really strange about that? For some ungodly reason, it's just a flight path. But, well, when picking up my daughter from South, uh, South Dakota... Mm-hmm. We uh, still had to go through O'Hare. I don't know why. I don't know, but because I, mean, I was looking at the the curvature and everything, yeah. I was like, nah, that doesn't make sense. You know, and here I am. I'm shipping shipping out when I'm 17, and you know, I made a uh, you know, <laughs> my my straw cowboy hat made it to basic training. So I'm I'm walking to Chicago O'Hare Airport. You know, basically, what from what I saw is the only straw cowboy hat. You know, <laughs> nothing strange about that. <clears throat> no, nothing strange about it at all. Um, the uh, the stewardess, she she was like, "Well, you know, are you guys shipping them out? Are you guys? What are you guys doing?" I was like, "Ma'am, we're, we're going basic training." Oh, thank you so much. And so she she got us like little shop bottles off the cart. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, "Wow, that's kind of cool." You know, <laughs> you know, this shit might work out for me. <laughs> you know, I'm like, "All right," you know. But, uh, you know, I mean, we got to, you know, we got to Atlanta, um, and there's two different trains of thought about the Atlanta airport. It's either the most organized in the world, or it is the most chaotic, disorganized clusterfuck on the face of the planet. It is the most chaotic one <laughs> I've been through. Yeah. Funny story is I had a, uh, when I was going to uh, Bahrain uh, after 9-11, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Me and uh, Samantha Jackson, she was, uh, 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 she's from Georgia. Yeah. And uh, we were we were stuck together because we were from the South, and we're just so used to each other, and we just love to talk to each other. And we walked by this one uh, uh, black lady. She was like, she like pulled her kids like, if you're gonna act like a dog, I'm gonna treat you like a dog. Just yanked them. And, like, and both me and her just looked at each other like, yep, we're still in the South. Yeah, yeah, you know, you, you go north of the Mason-Dixon, you start seeing people jerk their kids out like that, you're like, they're not from here, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but we, you know, we get to, we get to Atlanta, and <clears throat> you, you can kind of tell who was there to report for basic, because we all had the same look on our face, like, you know, <laughs> we were lost. Yeah. And and a lot of times, especially for me, it was you know our first time being away from home, yeah. and uh, you know so we we kind of like start congregating around, and uh, you know we were told you know, be, be on the lookout for you know drill sergeants, look for guys in uniforms. I mean that's what we were doing, but um, all we had was these like old retired guys that were driving the buses. You know, and they're like, oh, you guys reporting for Fort Benning? We're like, yes, sir. Get your asses over here. You know, we're just like, okay. Yeah, you know. And, Lemmings, basically. Yeah, you know. And uh, 
you know, so I mean, you know, we're sitting there and, and the bus driver's like, well, we're fixing to head out. So if you use your last chance to smoke your dip before we get there, because they're going to make you throw all that shit away. You know, and you just saw it. Everything's coming out of the woodwork. You know, cans of Copenhagen, dudes would break out some skull. And the Copenhagen guys would look at the skull guys like they were, you know, a little light, you know. I feel that was a trap. No, no, it wasn't. I mean, not with the bus drivers, mm-hmm. you know, but it was like. But once you got there. Oh, well, you had your amnesty period, you know. Oh, okay. So when you got there, you know, we had one of the drill sergeants come in. You know, we're there in the, in the replacement building. Or the reception building, rather, and he's like, you know, he was explaining what the amnesty box was. You know, if you got any contraband, this, 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 and this, you, you, this is your chance to put it in now. Because if we find anything after your amnesty period, you're gonna regret it. You know, so we're like, oh, okay. And so, you know, I mean, when we come in, and you know, they're like, all right, well, dump your personal bags on the floor, and, and we're all on the benches at this point. There's no bunks or nothing to dump. You know. So we dump all of our bags and we're going through our personal gear real quick. We're, we're, we're pushing all of the contraband aside, you know, but like no disposable cameras, blah, 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 you know. <clears throat> and this was, uh, you know, in the mid nineties, you know, before everybody and their sister had a cell phone, um, you know, for, you know, for you kids, yes, this is a time when cell phones used to be charged by the minute. Um, so, you know, or, and if you had a cell phone, it was probably prepaid. But, uh, or it's for a company. Yeah, yeah, or it was for a company, you know, and it was, uh, and this was before the, the Nokia phones came out, too, so, yeah. but, um, you know, we would put chewing gum, tobacco, you know, whatever. Um, and, and then after that, it was just, you know, you were officially under lock and key, kind of thing, you know, so, like, I had already had a high and tight, you know, when I shipped, but I knew I was going to get bald the next day, you know, so I mean, like that first day, you know, I mean, you're, you're doing your basic in process and stuff, um, you know, whether it be immunizations or, you know, going through your SGLI and, um, you know, you're just doing your basic, like your uniform fittings and stuff like that. Um, I think uniform fittings was like first thing on the, on, on, on the checklist. See, I got, I got totally screwed. Uh, the first week that we're there, I think the only thing we did was, uh, cause we were told pack light. Yeah. I pack light. I had like five pairs of underwear, five pairs of socks, jeans, t-shirt. That's it. Mm-hmm. We went a week without getting new uniforms. Well, you know, I mean, theoretically, you can wear the same pair of underwear, like, two days in a row, so... You know. Yeah, you can switch it out. Yeah, switch it out. But I was thought we were getting clothes, like, when we got there. Yeah, yeah, you know, and... So I had a fine shirt for, like, five weeks. That didn't get me anything. Well, dude, I mean, if anything, that got you more attention from the drill sergeants. But... It was it was all love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so... Um, Humanizations, I think, was day two. And did you ever get the peanut butter shot? You, I mean, you had to hold it in your hand and then warm it up, and then they put the needle on there, and then they they gave you the shot right in your ass. Yeah. Right? We had, all of our shots were uh, the air gun. Yeah, I, I have no idea what was in this. I, I forget what it, I mean, I used to know a long time ago. I've been asleep since then, but it left a golf ball. In your ass cheek, and you could oh, tell. Yeah. You could always tell who who had just gotten the shot because they would all be sitting down like this, you know. And you know, so I mean, the drill sergeant you just see them all laughing, and then later on, we figured out that they were plotting because um, you know, like the next day, you know, when, when they woke everybody up for PT, I forgot that I was on the top bunk. And I just, I roll out of the bunk, my feet hit the floor, gravity grabbed that golf ball in my ass cheek and just pulled. And I hit the floor and I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, you know. And so PT that morning was grass drills, you know, up, down, front, back, left, right, side straddle hops, you know. And 
you know, uh, flutter kicks. I mean, so flutter kicks, you're, you know, you're on your butt anyway doing flutter kicks, you know, and then you got to put your hands up underneath you just, you know, to, to do the correct form. And yeah, after PT was over with, I mean, my ass cheek was still sore, but it didn't hurt as bad. And the golf ball was definitely, definitely reduced. But, you know, we, we go through and, you know, I mean, you still had access, free access to all those phones, you know, and drill sergeants are like, don't get used to making phone calls yet, you know. And so, you know, we're making phone calls basically every night, you know. And <laughs> you can tell this was back in the day because it was like, I had my mom and dad's calling cards. I'm calling home. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the first things that I had to buy was running shoes, you know, because, you know, you get those little shop ads. You know, and so we had to go in there and everybody's doing the line and, you know, and um, had to get a pair of running shoes, you know, and it was like, I'm like sitting there going, man, I'm, I'm living high on the hog right now, you know, because I mean, my mom and dad did their best and they, they really worked to really kind of provide for us. My dad was in the Navy, you know, he was a E7 uh, when he retired and, you know, Nobody ever joins the military for the money. And he's trying to raise a family of six on Navy pay. My mom's working part-time. Wow, six? Yeah, four kids, plus him and my mom, you know. So it was like, and my dad felt bad, you know, because I was the athletic one. You know, I played, you know, I went out for baseball. I played football, you know. So, I mean, I, I needed, you know, cleats. I needed spikes, you know, and I, I needed stuff to, to play. And then, plus, my brother and I, we were in Boy Scouts, so it's like spending all this money oh, on camping man. items and stuff, you know. But, um, you know, so it's like my dad would feel bad, you know, and he really wouldn't let on that it bothered him a whole lot growing up. Um, you know, so here I am, you know, I'm sitting there going, man, I got Army money now. Yeah, yeah, you know, so I mean, I went, I, at the time, I, I, I thought I was doing pretty good. And, Spent $60 on a pair of Nike running shoes, you know. I mean, granted, this is it's 1960. 60, you know, yeah. 1960, it's 1995. Yeah. You know, and uh, then I call home that night, right? Because I remember before I shipped out, and this, is, this was like my first big ticket item that I'd bought with Army money. I, I, I've always been a Red Sox fan. You know, but King Griffey Jr. has always been my favorite player. And so when my dad retired from the Navy, we lived near Seattle. So I got to watch him play. And the, our mall here used to have a, a Champs. Well, we still have Champs. Champs Sports. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they used to sell jerseys and stuff. I mean, it used to have a bigger selection than it does now. They had, back then, they had an authentic King Griffey Jr. jersey. And I was like, oh, and it was $60. You know, it's the same one that you spend $270 on now. Yeah. So I called home. I was like, Mom, you need to, you know, get the money out of my account and go down to the mall and buy this. She's like, are you sure? I'm like, yes, please, just do that. You know, before it, you know, before it, it, it goes away, you know. So she's like, well, I went and bought your jersey. And I'm like, yes, you know. I was, I was like, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm glad that I bought it, you know, you know, in hindsight. But back then, I saw it probably should have just hung on to my money. But, you know, so, I mean, we, we, we get our, you know, we, we get our, our downrange assignments for, you know, what basic training unit. we're not doing this live yeah well you'd be surprised is a lot of people get like air conditioning and everything like that and people just laugh at him like any snobs yeah he is uh name rings a bell uh he's a navy seal he does cleared hot yeah and uh every time his air his air conditioner will come on and mess up the entire thing he's like and it's like yeah I get freaking calls every time. I freaking thought I freaking turned it off. <laughs> anyways, go on. Can you yeah. juice your shirt? Yeah. Griffin. So, you know, we, we, we got our, our downrange assignments. 
um, for what what units we were going to go to, what company. Now, did you do that in maps? Because I did that in maps no, beforehand, or you do that when, when you get in there? When we when I signed up, um, I, I signed up on the delayed entry program. So I actually enlisted when I was sixteen. Uh, my dad had to sign the waiver, um, and basically, it was I, I enlisted the summers between my junior and senior year, and uh, actually no, I signed up the spring of my my. Of, Anyway, I signed up during my senior year, and because uh, I don't, I don't turn my birthday's not till November, and I started school a year. What early. day? The twentieth. Fourteenth. Ah, see, okay, Scorpio. Ooh, yeah. But uh. Well, I had well the only thing I the reason why I ask on that one is because okay, say you're like seventeen and everything. Yeah. Uh, I had one person that she had to sign up when she was seventeen. She couldn't even shoot the rifle. You know, I don't think they gave a shit back then. I mean, no, this is this is like uh, two thousand. No, no, well, I don't know, but well, I don't know. It might have been different because I was going infantry. But when my recruiter, I remember my recruiter's name, and he was actually a pretty decent guy because he didn't like try to sell me on Club Med, right? Staff Sergeant McDermott. I mean, the dude was ginger as the day is hell, and he was an MP. Right? Okay. So we we drove up. We had like two or three other guys in the car, and we drove up first thing in the morning, and it was butt-ass early. It was still dark. And you got guys dipping in the back seat, you know. And uh, <laughs> oh, I'm in 43, man. What's my parents going to do? Ground me? Yeah, I was one of the guys dipping in the back seat. So it's like, we, we, he was like, well, I got to take a piss. He's like, who wants to piss in Oklahoma? I mean, we got a bunch of Texas dudes. We're like, hell yeah. We're going to piss all over Oklahoma. And it was like a divine sign from God as, as I'm looking back on it. We, we, we stopped at mile marker 101. Uh. <laughs> anyway, so we, we get to the MEP station. We go through all of our like physicals and we take the, you know, uh, the initial ASVAB you know, kind of a thing uh, to figure out what job we were going to be able to take. I knew what I wanted to take, so it didn't matter. But uh, I scored high enough. To where, when I got into the, to talk to the career counselor, he wanted to make me fire control specialist. Oh. And I'm like, okay, okay I'm going to humor you for a second. Where would this send me? He goes, no, Fort Sill. I was like, yeah, how about now? I want airborne infantry. He's like, well, you're going to take fire control. I said, no, I'm not going to sign today. I got up and walked away. I walked past my recruiter, and he's like, what the hell are you doing? I said, I don't sign anything. He's like, well, why not? So I told him. And he goes, come with me. And this career counselor is an E7. You know, so my E6 recruiter pushes him out of the way and goes, Airborne Infantry, right there. How come you wouldn't give him what he wanted? He goes, well, I've got a quota to fill. He goes, I don't give a fuck about your quota. Yeah. You know, I've got a guy that I'm going to put into boots. What's, and- what's really sad is, is if you waited like five years, I think that would be five, you said 96? 95. 95. Okay, so six years. If you waited six years, it wouldn't. It wouldn't even be measured on that because yeah. they, they were they were like free, they were given like nine times the enlistment bonus for uh, uh, a lot of uh, careers. Yeah. See, so, you know, I then I mean I knew what I wanted to do, and I wasn't looking at enlistment bonuses. I wasn't looking at any of that crap. I mean, I was just like you know, I want to do four years. You know, I want to sign up for the initial four years. You know, and then go for you know go from there. But I wanted airborne infantry, and so this guy he tries to be a smartass. He's well, well, you want ranger? And I said, not yet. You know, because uh, you'll you'll see a lot of guys that you know when they when they enlist they enlist with a ranger contract, and I think that that's a mistake because if you fail at a ranger at a at a, at a free ranger or ranger you know uh, it's called rip ranger indoctrination period. Yeah. If you go straight from basic to airborne to rip. And you fail at a rip, then you become knees in the army, and then they'll just send you. In. Well, that's that, that's that's the same for any of them. Yeah. Whereas if like you wait till later in your career and you decide that you want to go to ranger school, you can fail at a ranger school, fine. But I mean, it, could you, you, imagine, you just go back to your unit. Could you imagine being a Bozeman? Uh, Bozeman. Uh, basically, basically, you paint the shit. 
Yeah, no, screw all that. There, there's some people yeah. that that didn't that went in as a Bozeman, and they went to like SEAL training. They passed. Yeah. yeah <laughs> because, you know, no, not even that. It was just, which would you rather do? Mm-hmm. Paint a ship every yeah. day for the rest of the, your career, or go play play with guns. Yeah. yeah. But so I got I got my ship date, which was 25 July '95. And signed my paperwork, raised my right hand. Um, you know, my recruiter walked into the house with me when we got back here. And my dad's like, well, what'd you get? So I handed him my contract. And, you know, he, he, he knew that I wanted to join the Army, but at the same time, he's a dad. So, you know, he, when he saw that it was airborne infantry, he just kind of, okay. You know, and, and my dad's one of my heroes, you know, so it's it's one of those... He he told me, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to support, but I'm not I'm not going to condone, but I'm not going to condemn your decision, because it's your life. It's what you want to do. Um, I didn't. I, he wouldn't have let me join the Navy because you know, long, long, long periods of boredom, boredom, on a ship. You do stupid crap. You unless get in you trouble. did something really smart and go to Sudies. <sighs> Dude. Yeah, tr- okay. That aside, I, I didn't want to join the Navy. I knew that I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be in the army, you know, because I mean, it just fit, you know, but so get down, you know, get down range and we, this was the days of the Sharpie tear. Yeah. You know, we, we showed up in cattle cars. I mean, nut to butt, make your buddy smile. You got 30, 40 guys packed into a cattle car that's only designed for maybe 20. You know, and so I mean, we're we're falling out. We got our personal bag. We got our duffel bag. You know, and drill sergeant screaming in your ear, all up in your face, every ten steps. Get down, get down, get down. You're not moving fast enough. Go left, go right. You know, and you know, but we we just knew that that was going to be part of it. You know, we you didn't have anybody. Sitting there looking at the drill sergeant in the face, going, "You don't, you don't have shit for me." You know, what I mean, because this is this is basic training, and we all knew that we signed up to go do a job. And these guys, a lot of these guys had CIBs from Desert Storm. You know, so we were, you know, like we were in awe. I mean, because you know, here we've got these brand new BDUs. We don't even have the embroidered name tapes. We got those silk, sprint, you know, those printed ones, right? Yeah. We see guys walking around with embroidered name tapes and their BDUs are kind of faded and we were like those guys wow you know those guys are whoa you know I mean they they were kind of like oh, we were fangirling a little bit I guess you know but yeah man crush it's no big deal yeah you know I mean it's okay you know but we we get down range and this is day zero we're getting introduced to our cadre You'll always have that one or two guys in in your you know respective platoons that that you know hey this person's going to be the character. Um, I told you that my, my cowboy hat had made it to basic training. Yeah. yeah. Well, they made it to day zero. Oh wow! And this is before we had to pack all of our per- personal stuff in in the in the locker, right? And uh, so. You know, you dump your personal bags again, and you had to put everything in a big pile on your on your bunk. Mm-hmm. Well, my cowboy hat had been crushed at this point. Oh. It was a straw hat. It was totally oh, okay, gone. Okay, okay. I mean, it basically went from being a hat that I'd wear out in public to a hat that I'd wear in the house when I'm drinking beer. Okay. You know, and it was sitting on top. And this, this drill sergeant, um, he was an E5 at the time, Sergeant Rude, R-U-D-E. That was his actual name? That was his actual name. Oh, and he's man. walking by. That's gotta. He's walking by, and he passes my bunk, and he stops. He backs up a step, and he looks. And there's this cowboy hat sitting there. He takes off his drill sergeant hat, puts it on the bunk, takes my cowboy hat, and puts it on. And he goes, "Do I look like a cowboy? Do I look like somebody who would take their sister to, or take take a cow to the prom?" And to this day. To this day, I do not know what possessed me. I, I, would like, I would like to think that my father raised me better than this. 
But out of my mouth, it started to escape. And before I realized what was happening, it was already hanging there. I said, Drill Sergeant, you ought not to talk about your sister that way. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like that scene in Blazing Saddles when the sheriff walks into the saloon for the first time and everything, including the smoke, stops in midair? Yeah. This happened. I mean, the world stopped turning for just a second. You know, it was like, slammed on the brakes. Inertial dampeners, like on the Enterprise, are going crazy because there's too much to keep up with. And you see this vein start to pop up on the side of his head. And he's like, what did you say to me? I mean, he got in my face, right? And, And instead of saying, nothing, drill sergeant, I said, drill sergeant. <laughs> I said, you ought not to talk about your sister that way. And he just like, I can't believe you repeated it. He's like, what in the world? You know, that was my introduction to the knife hand. <laughs> and, and I mean, it's just chaos, right? All these drill sergeants are like, holy shit! And he's just like, Rah. I don't remember half of what came out of this guy's mouth. All I know is I'm sitting there thinking, well, 17 years was a good ride. You know? <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Our senior drill instructor, our, our, our senior drill instructor, I mean, this dude, I mean, he was probably like six foot four, six foot five, tall, lanky black guy. And he talked just like this. And he walks in, nobody calls at ease. And he's like, what the fuck is going on in here? Nobody won't call damn at ease, you know what I mean? It's like, little senior damn ass drill instructor, you know? <laughs> like, and, we, and everybody just kind of goes, I mean, I'm standing at a parade rest. I mean, I'm afraid to move, right? I'm, I'm a statue. And every drill sergeant just kind of goes, like that, you know? You, you could hear it. It was like a scene in Scrubs, you know? Yeah. And, um, and you hear him go, drill song, the fuck is on your head? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's like takes it off and puts his round brown back on and uh he's like <laughs> he's like no I want you to explain yourself what the fuck was on your head and he's like this private this uh, private cowboy hat he goes why were you chewing his ass that's what I want to fucking know right now you know and he told him he goes you know he told me I'd not to talk about my sister that way he goes hold it he walks over, and I'm thinking, I am about to die. You know, I'm sweating. I got that sweat rolling down the crack of my ass. I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I. Basically, yeah. you can make diamonds. Yeah, I mean, dude, I'm like, there. I mean, there was an event horizon right there, where my asshole was. I mean, it, I was puckered that hard, and he's like, you, you told this real song that you that he ought not to talk about his sister like that. And then you fucking repeated it. I was like, "Yes, drill sergeant." He goes, "Are you a funny motherfucker?" Oh, I like this guy. I like this private. I'm gonna skin you up. And he's like, and "The drill sergeant goes." He goes, "Drill sergeant." He needs to push up. He says, "Nope, you will not smoke this private." He got your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, "I'm like." Do I smoke? Uh, nope, I'm just gonna stand right fucking here. You know? But, but in the back of mind, all you heard is, it's a trap, it's a trap. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, Admiral Akbar the whole time is like, it's a trap, you know? And it's like, oh God. You know, but, you know, I mean, because you, you've got three different types of privates. You've got your smart ones who know all the answers, you've got your strong ones who get smoked for everything, and then you get the intelligently strong ones. Who know the answers, but they fuck it up on purpose just so they can get smoked. That was first. That was my platoon in basic training. You know, we knew we knew the answers, and I mean, because we got on our platoon during our, our training cycle. So, you know, we had like one guy fall out because he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with his rifle if you threw it at him. You know, but um, everybody, I mean, everybody else qualified with our weapons. We we did everything above and you know above the standard and. You know, we, we just kind of made everybody else look bad, you know, but, um, you know, basic training for me, you know, I mean, I, I got in 
after they stopped allowing drill sergeants to put their hands on people, you know, which I guess to a degree is okay. You know, it's fine. But, you know, with this whole doing away with the shark attack thing that they've started. I think they reinvented it because of the, after the... Uh, and uh, I, I really hope that they did because, you know, while I agree with the premise of the whole problem-solving thing that they tried to start, you know, when you get off air, you're going to be in the squad, the squad, the squad, and you guys go solve this problem. You're really, that's, to me, that's setting people up for failure because you're putting them in, in, in a situation where they have to solve a problem without the proper training. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, you know, the, the point of basic training was to break people down to their basic chemical compositions and rebuild them in the, you know, in the image that the Army needed. Exactly. You know, or, or just the military in general, you know, whether it be Air Force TIs, I think they're called. Yeah. Um, Basically, what you're doing is, is you're breaking them down to the point where they, <clears throat> by the end of the transition, they're going to work as a team. Yeah, you know, and, you know, and then and that's just kind of like the thing with, like, the basic mark, uh, rifle marksmanship program. It was like they kind of really preferred that you had not been a hunter before you got in because you had those bad habits. You know, like, okay, I know how to breathe. And, you know, it's like, no, they, they need you to start over from a clean slate. Oh, my brother-in-law kind of screwed everybody uh, when he was uh, when he was doing his uh, shooting because mm-hmm. uh, the the uh, armor was like, okay, this is uh, let's see how you shoot. If you need any adjustments, just let me know. Let me help you out. And he literally, it was like that big. That was his shooting regiment. Yeah, I was that he. It was it was a dime. Yeah. And he's like, fuck, you don't need me. So he just head up into the freaking uh, tower and drank his coffee the rest of the day. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, but for me, basic training, you know, whether they include all of this equal opportunity training or what do they call them, sharps now, whatever it is, I forget. I don't know. But, like, all this extra time to do the, you know, don't bully people and don't look down upon this group or this group or that group. It's like, you know, it's not the military's job to babysit somebody else, you know, uh, somebody else's kids. Exactly. You know, we're there, you know, those drill sergeants are there to create soldiers, create Marines, you know, create airmen. What's really sad about the whole situation, though, is... The only way a lot of these people would work together and uh, basically be friends, no racism, no nothing, combat. Hands down, combat. Well, and, and, and it's a horrible thing to say, but until you're, you have a group of people that really hate each other and they're getting shot at and they all have to work together to survive... Well, see, that's the point of the drill sergeants, though. Yeah. They're not there to be your friends. Uh-uh. You know, just like our parents. Our, our parents, is their job was not to be our best friend. You know, their, their job it was to raise us to be responsible human beings. Yeah. You know, we've, we've got, you know, parents now that will throw their kids in front of a video game console, or they, they'll throw them in front of a phone, and... You know, just let them, you know, do that. You know, it's like, that's okay to a degree, you know, but be active. Be actively engaged with your kids. You know, those drill sergeants are not there to raise you. They're there to mold you. And, you know, so the the whole idea, like you were saying, is like, you take this group of people and just shoot at them. Yes and no. Okay. Yeah. Because in order for people to be able to survive, you still need that 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 foundation of, exactly. of training, and you know you're going to build that that esprit de corps, that camaraderie, that brotherhood, regardless of the situation, because those drill sergeants are there. And I've even, if I remember correctly, uh, our senior drill instructor, Sergeant First Class Lowell, <laughs> you know, he. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he flat out told us, he goes, you will hate me. You will 
talk shit about me behind my back. But I'm not here to be your friend. It's like I'm here to make you into a soldier. So that way your unit can fuck you up later. You know? <laughs> and and you know, so even though he was hard on us, you know, he understood that, you know, I mean, Sarlo was, you know, he was my first introduction to what a really excellent NCO is supposed to look like. You know, he took the time to learn about his soldiers. He, he took the time to, you know, train us properly. You know, we went out of our way to get smoked by him because it was just, it was fun. It was a team building exercise to get smoked by Sarlo, you know. But, uh, you know, we had, you know, that we had that overbearing first sergeant, or first sergeant Baron. I mean, this guy looked like a straight, I mean, it was like somebody went to an SS unit back in the 40s, grabbed him, taught him perfect English, and said, you will train American soldiers in the 90s. And this guy was like 42, 43 when I was in, you know, in basic training. And he was, you know, he, he would sign up and, and participate in the best ranger competition every year for fun. Oh, wow. You know, I mean, like, he would carry two five-gallon water cans in his rucksack when we'd do our rough marches. You know, uh, he was the kind of first sergeant that had his kids walking in step in a parade rest when they'd come to a stop. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, he was one of those guys. You know, and, like, his, his introduction to us on day one, or day zero, rather, was... It kind of reminded me of a WWE promo. <laughs> you know, he came in and he just put his hands on the podium, and he just put his head down and he just took a deep breath, and we're all just like, "What's going on?" And then he just slams his hand down on the on the podium. I mean, boom! Right, man, your PT scores are shit. And he's like, "Who's got a Ranger contract?" And so the guys that had Ranger would raise their hand. He goes, "Your scuffing begins now." Oh wow. Get in the front lane of rest, start knocking out push-ups. So they're doing push-ups. He's like, who's got airborne? You know, the rest of us raised our hand. Your scuffing begins now. Get on down and do some push-ups, you know. It's like, everybody else? Shame. Shame on you. Shame on you for not wanting to be high speed. <laughs> Get on down and start doing some push-ups. <laughs> we were just like, what the hell, you know. But... I mean, he promised us that we would crawl out of basic training. And we had OSIT training, one-station unit training at Fort Benning. So you had the, basically the same group of drill sergeants for 13 weeks. Okay. You know, eight weeks for basic training, then five weeks for our AIT, where they taught us our, our individualized uh, infantry specialties. And um, he's like, you will crawl out of basic training. And so, and we did. Literally, we did. Because we, we it was a nighttime movement thing so we we went up through these woods to to this trench line and they were like do not pick your heads up you will high crawl or you you will low crawl and there will be no three to five second rushes and we were like oh okay and we start hearing 60s going off and you could hear the you know yeah. going overhead we'd see tracers flying over we're like what the <laughs> they're like get over the wall and stay low stay low so we're crawling I mean they, they it, I think in hindsight it was probably like five foot you know five foot elevated fire you know I mean they just had these they, they were on team they were on tripods and they were locked in and they didn't move you know they couldn't depress the fire but you know it was just five feet so I mean yeah, but still, you know, still, you know, here it is. You know, when you see something whizzing by or hear something whizzing yeah, by, you still you know, clinch. And you're like, man, God, Lord, that what is going on? You know, they, they had flares going off. They had uh, those those old pyro pots that were put into uh, berms or whatever, and they would just, you know, yeah. they would light those up. And it was like 50 meters or something like that that we had to crawl, you know, and we were just like, what the fuck is going on so we couldn't stand up until we were past the firing line but um you know so at that point we were officially soldiers we just weren't infantrymen yet but um you know when we went through our individualized training you know we, we were starting to get a lot more freedoms 
uh, as far as like not having to have a drill sergeant walk us everywhere. We'd still have to march, flight to the PX. Or, yeah, you know, stuff that was like the that. same. That was the same thing when uh, when we were doing uh, uh, services training. Is yeah. We always had a march to get to our place and everything like that. So, but um, I think I think that that that's a better transition going in than going out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, as far as like transitioning to civilian life. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they, they keep you steadily keep that training, mm-hmm. and when you get out of your uh, school, you're not like ripping your clothes off and just running around butt naked <laughs> when you get to your duty station. Yeah. No. It's, I mean, the thought crosses your mind, but that's usually because you're under the influence. But, um, <laughs> or you just you're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's too. But. You know, when, you know when we 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 had our field our, our field exercise our FTX at the end of our AIT, right? So I mean, it was like a practical. You know, everybody's wearing miles gear, this that, and we had our twelve mile road march coming back in. And um, when did you, you have? Did you still have gear from like Vietnam era during that time? Oh, we had Alice packs and stuff like that. Okay. Um, it was the uh, the 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 suspenders. Oh, okay. You know. Um, the web belts, and, you know, but, uh, we had, we had M16A2s, we had the, you know, we had Kevlars, we weren't wearing steel pots or anything like that. They started wearing Kevlars, like, in the 80s. But, okay. Um, you know, it, when, I, I tell you what, though, I mean, when we came back in from our, our field, from our field exercise, and we went through a ceremony called, what they call turning blue. Where you're given your infantry cross rifles, your blue disc background, or your blue backgrounds for your discs, uh, for your lapels, okay. um, and your your uh, your infantry cord. Single handedly, that was probably one of the proudest moments of my life. Okay. You know, and there was a lot of us like, at this point, I mean, we're still kids, but I mean, we're we're grown, and we're crying, you know, and they let us call home. And to this day, and I blame basic training for this, I cannot stand Lee Greenwood's God Bless the USA. Really? I, I just, every time I hear that song, I'm just like, oh, God, you know, it's a great song. Don't get me wrong, you know. If, if, well, it's like Full Metal Jacket. I can't watch that movie anymore. And it's because every, hands down, every freaking basic training, once they're done with the boot camp and everything like that, yeah. and they're in their uh, respective tech school or uh, whatever uh, school you're going to, and constantly watching that movie, especially the basic training part where they they kill the uh, 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 drill instructor. Yeah. And I'm like, really, guys? I mean, I've literally seen that movie a hundred times in segments, and it, you can complete that hundred times that I've seen it in segments. Yeah. yeah I mean... I'm not gonna lie. That's 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 on one of that's on my list of movies that I just I absolutely love. You know, but no, I I love that movie yeah. beforehand, but I yeah. just can't watch it anymore because I've seen it so many times. Well, I mean, but like, okay, so the thing with this song, it's like, okay, so they were blaring it when we walked in, right? It's like God bless you know. I'm just like, oh God, you know. They, they, every Sunday they played it, in, in, you know, for church services. And, and back then, it's like I wasn't saved back then. You know, I just kind of went through the motions. You know, and it was like you go to church Sunday services on Sundays to get out of cleaning the barracks. Yeah. But um, you know, they, they, every Sunday they sang it. Every every chance they got, they were playing this song, and I'm just like, do we not have anything else that we can play? You know, but like I'm sitting here calling my mom and dad. I mean, I'm I'm choked up. I mean, like I my voice is hoarse because we're yelling and screaming, and all I remember was you know saying you know I did it, and I'll, I have to call you later, you know, and like the next day, like weapons cleanup was a pain in the ass. Everybody had like salt caked on their boots, and you know because we 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 crawled through some like storm drains and shit like that. So, I mean, our our stuff was jacked up, you know, but. You know, we started our out processing for, you know, people getting orders to go to this duty station or this duty station or this duty station. And I knew I was going to go to the Airborne School because, I, I, you know, I was going to go was to Airborne. Was that Fort Benning? Yeah, yep. yeah. So, I mean, we, we were just basically, there was a handful of us that were going to get a, a cattle car ride across the main post 
you know, from Sand Hill, and we were going to go over there and start, you know, airborne school, but, you know, I wanted to go to the 82nd so bad, you know, because I'm like, I'm signing up to be a paratrooper, you know, and then I get the, you'll report to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, 101st Airborne Division Air Assault, I'm just like, but then, you know, a lot of the guys that I was in basic training with were going there too, so I was like, all right, you know, a lot of us that, you know, we were in the same platoon, so we knew what our MOS was going to be. So we knew we'd be able to find each other, you know. But, uh, you know, went to airborne school right after. Yeah, airborne school, that's just uh, learning how to parachute, right? Yeah. Yeah, you, you've got your ground week, tower week, what's, and you get your What's week. really sad is, is I did parachuting uh, on myself. Mm-hmm. And everybody's telling me, it's like, oh, parachuting is pretty rich course. And I'm like, I spent like three days, dude. Literally, if you look at it, and I've, I've talked to people that have actually done, like, uh, airborne school and everything like that. They're like, oh, it's it's this this time frame and everything. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I learned that. Yeah, I learned that. No, I didn't have to learn that. I didn't have to learn that. And the only reason why I don't do parachuting anymore is because <laughs> I found a gopher hole. See, I, I love, I love jumping. I do. I mean, I was scared of heights. I had a fear of heights. And I, you know, and my fear of heights did not get cured until I went up and jumped off the uh, the two hundred fifty foot jump tower. Yeah. And uh, you know, I mean, when you have to take control of a canopy, you look to your right, and there's this huge steel structure that's been there for the better part of a century. <laughs> you know, and you're having to guide yourself down away from the structure and then conduct a PLF. You know. It kind of takes that fear away, you know, but the reason why I think that the airborne school is, is as long as it is, is, I mean, they have to go over so much information and they want to make sure that it's drilled into your head because, you know, you're going to get those occasional people that will freeze, you know, and it's a safety hazard. So just like anything else. Yeah, especially when one of your uh, shoots don't. Actually, yeah, I mean, you, they go you through all cut, the you had to, yeah, they go through all the different types of malfunctions, you know, different procedures. I mean, it, that, that way it's just drilled into you to where it's just muscle memory. Yeah, you know, it's like my first jump. I remember a couple of things from my first jump, but everything else was just muscle memory. You know, um, I remember one one thing on my first jump was, you know, they told us that if you have when you inspect your canopy and gain canopy control, is that you have to look at the panels to make sure that you don't have any blowouts. Okay, what's a blowout? Uh, when a panel rips away, right? Oh, okay. And, you know, it's just sitting there flapping in the wind, and you, you have more air passing through your chute than it should. Oh, wow, okay. You know, so they said if you, if, you, if you have a hole in a panel big enough for a Kevlar to fall through, cut away and pull your reserve. I'm looking. I look up, and there's a panel just flapping away. And I'm like, yeah, a body could fall through that, but I am not fucking cutting this damn this main. Hell no. Just no. I don't trust that reserve. You know, because <laughs> you know? I remember they told us in, in, in you know, during uh, Tower Week, like, that reserve is not designed to get you down comfortably. It's designed to get you down safely. Oh, you know, man. And I'm, I'm just like, oh, no, just don't. I don't. Just don't want to do it. I, I didn't want to be that guy. So... I rode that sucker in, you know, and I remember hitting the ground, did my PLF. I, di- I, I didn't feel... Wait, what's the PLF? Uh, parachute landing fall. Okay. You know, there's five points of contact. It's just for the people that don't know. Yeah, what the hell you know, uh, you get your five points of contact. You got the balls of your feet, you got the, uh, you got the calf, you've got the side of your leg, your, your thigh, your ass is your fourth point of contact, which is where we get the pull your head out of your fourth point of contact. Okay. And then you've got the small of your shoulders right here. That's the fifth point of contact. And when you roll over there, you're supposed to kick your feet out. And that's supposed to disperse all that all that energy out through the bottom of your feet. And, you know, just kind of give it somewhere to go. Otherwise, you know, I mean, paratroopers get shorter anyway the longer that they jump. Yeah. But Because all the uh, the jumps, what they do is... is uh, compresses all the, the spine, yeah. Compresses the spine to the point where all the liquid in the spine goes away. Right. But... Um, you know, I'm sitting there and I remember, I remember hitting the ground, did my PLF and I'm laying there in some tall grass, you know, and I'm like, I just jumped out of a plane and I'm looking and the plane that I was just riding in is flying off that way. And I'm like, 
that is cool because I'm still 17 at this point. Okay. I didn't turn 18 until day two of of jump week. Oh, okay. You know, so I got to jump twice on my 18th birthday. Oh, wow. And, you know, and they say that there's a thing like I don't know if they still do it or not. Uh, it's called Keeper of the Wings, or the youngest person going through that particular class has to keep a set of airborne wings up underneath his pocket flap, and they're inspectable. So he has to shine them every day. Oh. You know, and uh, you know. I was turning 18 during jump week, and then there was this one other kid. Uh, he turned 18, like, the day we started uh, jump week, right? So, I mean, technically I was younger, but he just threw this huge pissy fit. Like, oh, I'm going to younger. I'm like, you know what, dude? Whatever. It's one less thing for me to fucking keep up with, so you go on. You know, so, but uh, day two rolls around. We're out there on the cables, you know. Uh, in formation, getting ready to move out to the jump branch, and Black Cats call me up like roster number one, one, three, front and center. And I'm like, airborne, airborne, airborne. So I get all with it. Today's your birthday, correct? Clear, sorry, everyone. But you get to be first out the door for both of your jumps today. And I'm like, airborne. So he's like, get out of my face. And I'm like, I go back to my my squad. And, and then, so I mean, we're, you know, and, but it was, it was it was really cool. I mean, I, I would, I would. I loved, I loved jumping, you know. Yeah, uh, it it was fun other than the, the time I found the gopher hole and twisted my knee. Well, but, yeah, you know. But it, it, but it, it really is exhilarating because you get, you get the sense of the world at that point. Mm-hmm. It just feels like you're, you're able to see everything. You're able to, to it, it's just a, a, a really, really weird energy. Yeah. And you really develop a very, very healthy respect for 550 cord at that point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, because, like, everybody's like, oh, 550 cord's the shit. And it's like, yeah, okay. But you don't make that connection until you're hanging from a harness at 1,200 feet, you know, and you're like, oh, and it just kind of, bing, like, you yeah. know, like a light bulb. But, you know, graduated airborne school, and my, my dad got to pin my wings on. Oh, um, cool. You know, my dad, he, you know, like I said, 20-year Navy guy. Um I told him, I said, I don't want you guys showing up for my basic graduation. He kind of gave me this weird look. I said, well, I want you there for my airborne graduation because I want you to put my wings on. Well, my dad was all about that. You know, so my dad, you know, he squeezed into his dress blues. And, you know, the the Navy, you know, the, the dress blues, they got that white service cap, you know. the, the Oh, the, the one that uh, you have to buy when you get it or it turns yellow afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... You know, uh, on the last day of jump week, we were there for jumps four and five. Um, I exited the aircraft. I'm checking my direction of drift, and I'm looking at the marshaling area where they've got all the stands at. I see this white speck. (laughs) And I'm like, yep, that's my dad. So I'm trying to pull a riser slip to get as close as I can, you know, over there. Um, And just the wind was not cooperating, so it was carrying me out to the far side of the drop zone. So I was just like, you know what, whatever. I'm just going to let this thing ride. So I hit the ground, pack up my chute, and I'm running off the drop zone. And I am just making a complete ass of myself. I'm like, airborne infantry, hua, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was that guy, hua, you know. I was the hua guy, you know. But, uh... Well, as long as you're not the blue dolphin. When was running, I mean, I just, I'm hauling ass past my dad, just full stride, just sprinting it out, right? And, you know, so I get over there, turn my chute into the rigger, and uh, went over to the Black Hat. I'd got my cat, my canteen, and my, you know, my, uh, my, my soft cap. And I was like, you know, can I go over there, right there, and you know, go talk to my parents? And he's like, yeah, go ahead. So I run over there. I'm like, hey guys, you know. And uh, he's like, well, is that it? And I was like, no, no, we got one more jump after this. But the winds were starting to pick up across the drop zone. So it's like, I think safety protocols for at the airborne school is like 14 knots. You can't jump anything over that. So like, like winds were gusting like 22, 25 miles, you know, 20, 22 to 25 knots over the drop zone. Okay. And they were like, well, you've got a choice. We could either jump into these high winds or we could every, everybody come back after Thanksgiving and we finish up. Well, I was one of the people that just wanted to jump because I knew that my parents wouldn't have been able to afford another trip out there. And they, at this time, Deadpool 2 hadn't come out. No. <laughs> Not that it would have mattered anyway. 
But, I mean, we unanimously as a class decided that we were going to jump into the winds, you know. So we did. We were in the air for like a good 30, 30 45 minutes longer, oh, circling wow. the drop zone, waiting for the winds to die. And by the time that we started to drop, we it was the sun was starting to go down. So and it was about about forty five minutes before sunset. And so, you know, we're we're jumping in, and basically jumping into graduation. My dad pins my wings on, and you know, this is back when you could give people blood wings, you know. So he punches my wings, and it breaks the pin off in my chest. Oh, ow. I'm bleeding, and he pulls them out to put the the little frogs on the back, you know, the 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 damits. Yeah. And he's like, oh, there's a pin missing. I said, yep, it's in my chest. You know? <laughs> and so I had... Duty. Is it still there? No, no. Okay. I, I dug it out that night because I, I couldn't even go out and have dinner with my parents. Oh. Because I had to... I was I was on uh, duty. I had to... I had hall guard or whatever it was, right? Where, you know, you'd sit there at the door. Just guard duty. Yeah, it's just guard duty. So I'm sitting there with a buddy's Leatherman, sitting there, no shirt on. And I'm just... I'm digging these needle nose around because I bought the Gerber. Right, yeah. but the Gerber had the regular pliers on them, the good ones, you know. Yeah. But you know, everybody else had needle nose Leathermans, and I'm like, whatever. So I'm sitting there digging around with these needle nose, and I and this black hat comes up, the airborne instructor, and I, I went to go call at ease, and he goes, "What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm like, I pull it out, and there's a chunk of meat hanging off the end of this. Pan. Oh my god! And he goes, "Did you just? <laughs> Is that muscle? Is that meat?" I'm like. Clear saw an airborne. He goes, that is out fucking standing. And you're not supposed to cuss on school grounds. Like, if you cuss on school grounds, you got to do 10 push-ups, right? You know, right there. And so, I mean, he's just like, that's out fucking standing, right? And he's like, carry on. My damn airborne, carry on. So, he, like, that made him hard, dude. I'm like... Okay. It's one of those balls, breast balls. You know, and I'm bleeding, and my buddy sticks his head out, and he was he was going to, you know, he was he was going to be a medic. Yeah. So he's like, he's like, dude. And I'm like, yeah, you got a Band-Aid? <laughs> so he's like, yeah, hold on a minute. So he goes and gets a Band-Aid, you know, I mean, um, you know, but like the next day we went to, you know, do our, our final out processing and to be released. And um, I was going to go home for, for 10 days before I reported. So, yeah. I mean, I, I took my, I took my leave then. But, uh, we're walking around. We got our berets on, you know. We got jump boots on. Uh, we thought we were hot shit, you know. And uh, we if we had, some of us had bought the old Oakley Frogskin sunglasses. Oh yeah. You know, and we're like those things were the shit back then. You know, it's like, but uh, I mean they were like sixty bucks then, like two hundred and twenty dollar ones now, or you know they were sixty dollars back then. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, yeah, you know. And this is Ranger instructor because they were there. The Ranger uh, guys from Darby had come down to pick up the Ranger contract guys for for their rip. And these guys are just like they are literally larger than life. Like you know, you walk up to a professional athlete and they tower over you. You know, I mean, like this dude was just like solid. He was all man. You know, like solid muscle. See, I don't. I didn't get that because m- most of the uh, tier one people that I've met. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, through my job and everything like that, I literally towered over. You know, I mean, but like here we are. You know, I just turned eighteen. We're yeah. literally kids. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of us just graduated basic, and now we here we are graduating airborne school. And these guys are rangers, you know, and we're just like these guys are as hard as woodpecker lips, you know. So we're you know, we we just we tried not to make eye contact with them. And then we hear out of the corner, and we hear, we hear, hey, Peachtree, come here. Right? We're like, oh, shit. So we turn, and we snap to parade rest. He's like, those sunglasses authorized? I was like, I'm not sure, Ranger. He goes, at least you know how to address me properly, but here's a hint. They're not. He's like, and so we snatched them off of our faces and went back to parade rest. And he goes, if I see those on your face while you're in uniform... Again today, I'm going to rip them off your head, and I'm going to shove them up your ass. Have I made myself clear? We're like, yes, Ranger. He's like, move out, carry on. So we were like, oh, fuck. So I mean, I went over there. I was like, I called my dad over. I was like, here, take these. He goes, why aren't you wearing them? I was like, see that guy with the beret over there? He's like, 
the, the black one, because back when the Rangers could still wear the black beret. Yeah. You know, before the Army decided to give everybody a beret, like, yay. I'm like, you know, yeah. you want a beret, earn one. But, you know, I was like, see the guy with the black beret over there? He was like, yeah. I was like, he said he was going to shove these in my ass if I, if, if I did. If I had them on my face. They're not authorized, apparently. He goes, oh. <laughs> it's like, I was like, just hang on to them. So, you know, we went through our, our, our final our final formation, you know, briefing from the commander, and they released us, and, you know, went home on leave for 10 days, but 